bore well was not completed, so they didn't have water for that facility. So when Karen came, said, you know, we have we have money, so this is a good thing to do. So they, immediately we said, let's do it, you know. So I took all your money and gave it to them. <laughs> just, just uh, I, I think it was about 38,000 uh, rupees. So we just immediately gave the offering to help complete the bore well, and, and they have water to drink. That's a good thing, amen? So I just wanted to share that with you. Your money has gone there. So when you go to Chikbalapur, <laughs> it's a nice thing to do. So they have water there for that home. Dina, an amazing thing, you know, she was a Catholic nun when I was, and I was a believer. And all by herself, working in that, in that it's not a village, but you know, that small town. And one of the first things she did is that there was a government school that was not functioning. I heard that she fought for that school and got that school open so the children in that village can go to that school. And then and that really gave her a lot of respect uh, among the people there. And then she does tuitions for 150 children every evening. I was thinking like, man, tuition for two kids is, <laughs> is quite challenging. 150 kids is like, is quite a challenge. She does that. Uh, she has about 10 children staying with her in her home. The other thing that she requested was if we could go and help teach the Bible. She's working all by herself, right? And so Pastor Moses and Ajay, who's uh, Pastor Moses is a pastor of Akhanda Church. Ajay, who's a full-time evangelist with Akhanda Church here. Last week, they went to visit and just see the place, get to know, you know what can be done. And, um, and here's the reason why I'm sharing this with you is uh, from this Friday, uh, Pastor Moses uh, will be taking a team of people to Chikbalapur every Friday evening. Friday evening, they will spend time just, you know, min- uh, ministering to the children, teaching them Bible lessons and songs and things of that nature. Stay over sa- a Friday night and Saturday morning, try to do something in the village, visit homes, just minister to people. So if you'd like to be involved, I would encourage you to please contact Pastor Moses, right? We'd like to work with Lena, help, you know, minister the word, uh, teach them songs and, and lead people to the faith. And hopefully if things work out, we can uh, plant a church there. In that area. So uh, those who like to get involved, you're most welcome to. Requirements, you must either know Canada or Telugu. English doesn't work there. You must know Canada or Telugu because that's the language in which you talk to people there. So if you know Canada or Telugu, you're fluent, like to be involved, please contact Pastor Moses and uh, it'll be a great thing to do Friday evenings, staying on on Saturday mornings. And uh, another thing, be willing to travel by bus. There are no helicopters, no planes. We're going to take public transport. So you got to be willing to take the bus from, you know, Hanur, whatever, Yalanka, go there and come back by bus. So two things, but I think it's a great, wonderful opportunity for us to do something. Just bless uh, what Lena has been doing there for over two years. And I like that. Yeah. Here's another testament that came from um, our South Church, Bangalore, our, our South Church. Just shared with us by, um, I think, uh, this family come from a non-Christian family, believe, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm just going to summarize, hit the high, highlights here of this testimony. This family, they sent in this thing. Uh, their mother, uh, Subramanian writes, his mother uh, had a lot of complicated, a lot of different things in, in her life, health problems, you know. Uh, right from the time of her delivery, she had uh, three cesarean operations in early days. She was operated for tuberculosis cyst in her neck, cyst in her neck in 1998. She had open heart surgery in 2002. A nerve replacement was taken from her left hand. She was suffering from diabetes uh, since 2003. She was weak in her legs. She couldn't climb steps and so on. Anyway, on Sunday, the 16th of October, just about two weeks ago, uh, at South, they prayed for unsaved family members, for their family uh, in the church. That same night, at 3 o'clock, which was basically 3 a.m., 17th morning, 
his mother started vomiting blood. She was immediately admitted in the ICU in a hospital there. Uh, blood was also from uh, coming out of her liver. Uh, doctors declared her condition very critical. And then there were people there who started praying for her. A day later, that's uh, 19, she had an endoscopy done. And once again, the doctors declared her condition very critical. Her whole body was very weak. On the 19th night, here's what happens. She saw Jesus standing in front of her in the ICU. She started gaining strength. The very next day, 20th, she was out of the ICU. All the tests taken after that turned to be negative. She is now 100% well, 100% out, even out of diabetes, no problem. And she was weeping as she described her very first time, uh, her encounter with Jesus. She said Jesus was brighter than the sun, and all glory and praise to Jesus. Amen. Let's give Jesus uh, a hand here. Amen. Amen. That's amazing. Wonderful testimony what the Lord Jesus did. This is just like 19th, maybe like less than two weeks ago uh, in our South Church. Oh, we spent three Sundays learning about God's kingdom. And I want to just recap quickly and then we will move into this morning's message. We said this, that God's original intent was to establish a kingdom of people who will inherit that kingdom. That's what he intended. In Matthew 24, the Bible tells us that before the foundation of the world, he intended to establish a kingdom. Even before he created people, he said, that's my plan. I want to set up a kingdom where my rule can be extended through people who will be heirs with me in that kingdom. And so when he created man and put him on the earth, man and woman, he said, have dominion, subdue the earth. He imparted kingdom authority into their lives. Authority from the king was now flowing in mankind's. Amen? So you as, as a person, you have kingdom authority vested in you. God put that authority in you. So we talked about some of that. And then we said this, that, you know, kingdom, being part of the kingdom of God affects our thinking. The way we think is influenced by the reality of Jesus being king in our hearts and lives. Our thinking is transformed, changed according to the kingdom of Jesus Christ. This morning I want to talk about kingdom living. And just to recap in Colossians chapter 1 verses 12 and 13. The Bible says that Paul writes, he says, Giving thanks to God who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Having delivered us from the powers of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his own dear son. You who believe in Jesus, you've been taken out of the kingdom of darkness and we have been put into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Amen? Now incidentally, the stuff that you were doing before, clapping and all that, you can do it now as well. <laughs> right. Okay, as we go on, alright. So, we've been taken out of the kingdom of darkness, brought in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And in John 18, 36, Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. It's not from this world. So you and I are part of a kingdom that's not of this world. We are from a kingdom that's out of this world, that, that's heavenly, that comes from heaven. Therefore, much of the stuff that we see in this world does not, or let me say, it's not part of the kingdom that we belong to. Amen? And so as kingdom people, our lifestyle is different. We call it kingdom living. We live according to the kingdom 
that's not of this world. Most of what we do as believers, our lifestyle is very different. Should be different. Now there are some similarities. We wear the same clothes, we eat the same food, we live in the same planet. And yet, our living is different. Because we are part of a kingdom that's not of this world. In Luke 17, verses 20 and 21, as Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, the Pharisees came to Jesus, they kind of misunderstood his kingdom message. And they misunderstood what he was talking about the kingdom. They thought he was talking about a literal kingdom, a government that he was coming to establish. And so they came to him in Luke 17, 20 and 21. They said, you know, uh, so Lord, you know, how, what is the sign of your kingdom? How, how does the kingdom of God come? How do we know it's around here? So they were looking for a king. They were looking for somebody riding on a horse with a crown, with a big sword and all of that fanfare. But none of that was happening. And Jesus was preaching about the kingdom. So Jesus' response to them was this. He said, the kingdom of God does not come by observation. It's not these externals that you should be looking for in the kingdom of God. For he said, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. He was making a statement. He's saying, look, this kingdom that I'm talking about, it's not about all the externals. It's about something that works from inside you, from within you. Amen. As believers, understand the kingdom of God is within you. Can we say that together? The kingdom of God is within me. Say it again. The kingdom of God is within me. Everywhere you go, the kingdom is there. It's within you. You're carrying the kingdom. All the authority, all the life, the dominion of the king is inside you. It's not about things that happen on the outside, that comes from the outside. It's not the things that they thought would make up the kingdom. Jesus said, this kingdom that I'm talking about, it's a spiritual kingdom. It comes from inside out. So kingdom lifestyle is just that. It's the outworking of the kingdom of God that is inside you. It affects your lifestyle. It affects the way you live. Amen? Now, when we try to, uh, try to describe kingdom lifestyle, I'm sure we can talk about a lot of things. We can go to the New Testament and say, you know, this characterizes kingdom life. This character, we can put a long list of things that describe a kingdom lifestyle for us. And this morning, I've just taken uh, some of those things. I just want to talk very briefly on each one. We can talk a lot on each one. But I just want to highlight some of them. Kingdom, what are the characteristics of kingdom lifestyle? Here are some of the things that I just want to address this morning. Holiness and reverence. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Power, authority, and dominion. Endurance and suffering. Forgiveness. Stewardship. Equality. And readiness for the king. And there are other things, you know, we won't talk about. We, we're just compiling a little publication on this, on this whole series in the kingdom of God. So it, should, it will be available to you in print. And you can study it in depth later. But I want to touch on a few of these things that characterize to us kingdom lifestyle. The outworking of the kingdom of God that is really in you, in me, inside us. Righteousness, holy living, and reverence for God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul describes to us or contrasts people of the kingdom and people of this world. He draws a very clear separation, a clear distinction between these two. In 2 Corinthians 6, 14 to 18, Paul says, Don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. He's drawing a distinction now. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? What communion has light with darkness? 
What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? What agreement has a temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. And I will be a father to you. You will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. You know, many, many times this, this passage of scripture is used in the context of marriage. First thing you go to your pastor, says, Pastor, I want to get married. He asks, is, he, is she a believer or not? First thing. And it's okay. I mean, it does have an application there in the context of marriage. But that was not the reason why it was written. It just has to do with everything of concerning our lives here on earth. Amen. These verses must hold true. For every area, every facet of life, God is saying, you're a believer. You've got no communion, no fellowship with that. Your light, no fellowship with darkness. Your Christ, no fellowship with Belial. Another title for Satan. Belial simply means worthless. Your righteousness, no fellowship with unrighteousness. If you do this, then I will be proud to be your father. And I'm happy to call you my son and daughter. Amen. Now this is not to say we disconnect from the world. It means that we know that there is a distinction. And that distinction does become evidence. In John chapter 3 verse 19, John 3, 19 through 21, John writes, he says, you know, we know this, that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. And whoever practices evil, they don't like the light because they don't come to the light, but they want to do lest their deeds should be exposed. But, but he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds will be clearly seen that they have been done in God. John says, men love darkness rather than light, and they prefer staying in the light so that their wrong deeds are not exposed. So what's the point here? The point here is this, the world around us is like that. They prefer darkness. They prefer doing things in darkness. But you and I, as people of the kingdom, are amongst that. If they don't see the light, if they don't see a difference, then we must question ourselves. If we are living the way God wants us to live. Amen. Because God did clearly say you are light. No fellowship with darkness. But sometimes in our, you know, our intention is good. Our intention is to be among people who love darkness. But if in the process. And that is a good intention to be among them. To reach out to them. To build bridges with them. To be with them. It's a good intention. It's a good thing. We must do it. But if in the process you end up becoming losing your light. You end up compromising on the way of you live, then we are not being pleasing to the Father. Amen? And Paul was very clear in his epistles. In Corinthians, to the Corinthians, to the Galatians, to the Ephesians. And all, to all these believers that he was writing, he was so strong in his understanding of the kingdom of God and who could inherit the kingdom of God. For instance, you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He says this, he says, Do you not know... That the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. He's writing to believers. Don't you know? Unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Don't be deceived. Don't fool yourself. Neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners. They will not inherit the kingdom of God. He's talking about the kingdom of God. And in that context, he's saying, listen, don't fool yourselves. If you continue in unrighteousness, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
into the Galatians. In Galatians 5, 19 through 21, he again lists out several things that he calls as the work of the flesh. And he, he talks about things like jealousies and anger and hatred. And, he, and he, he sums up in verse 21, he says, Those who practice these things, meaning they continue in this, they will not inhabit the kingdom of God. He's writing to the church. Same thing he repeats in Ephesians. Ephesians 5 verses 3 to 5. He talks about fornication, all uncleanness. He even talks about foolish talking and coarse jesting. And he says, you know, in verse 5, anyone who does these things will not have any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Once again, talking to believers. What's he saying? He's saying, believers, I know you're saved by grace, but I'm telling you, you can't practice these things. It's not part of kingdom, kingdom living. And if you practice these things, let me be upfront with you. That those who practice these things will not inhabit the kingdom of God. Amen. Pastor, all along I heard I'm saved by grace through faith. Yes, we are saved by grace through faith. I heard I'm, I'm not saved by works. Yes, you're not saved by works. So I'm not saying you must have works to be saved. But I'm saying you must have works to show you're saved. Because you're saved. Amen. And Paul's very clear. He says, those who practice these things, he's writing to the church, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. So, but what about the grace of God? Yeah, what about the grace of God? Hebrews 12, 28 says, the writer of Hebrews says, knowing that we've been called to inherit this kingdom, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom, you know, we inherit this kingdom, which cannot be shaken. And this is the kingdom, the best kingdom, the eternal kingdom. He says, let us have grace. The literal meaning there is let us appropriate, let us receive the grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. He says, listen, we've been called to inherit this kingdom, so let's appropriate that grace. What will this grace do? It will lead you into reverence and godly fear, not the other way. So if you're talking about the grace of God, it's only going to increase reverence and godly fear in your life. But if you're saying, I'm having the grace of God and it's causing you to go away and live a frivolous life, I can tell you it's not the grace of God. Not the God we're talking about. It's not grace. Because the grace of God will move you into greater level of reverence for God and godly fear. It's a good place to say an amen. So what about grace? It's going to help you develop kingdom lifestyle. It's going to help you move further and deeper. In walking the way God wants you and me to walk. Another characteristic of kingdom lifestyle, I just move quickly here, is righteousness, peace, and joy. Righteousness, peace, and joy. In Romans 14, now, you know, you and I are very familiar with righteousness, peace, and joy because we sing that song, you know. Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost, that's the kingdom of God. We sing that song, so we are, we're kind of familiar with that concept. But really, if you read the verses before and after that and try to understand what was Paul addressing, in Romans 14, 16 to 17, he says, Therefore do not let your good be spoken of as evil, for the kingdom of God is not chapati and biryani, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Therefore let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify one another. The context of Romans 14 is what you should eat and what you should not eat. 
And in that context, he, 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 Paul makes several things. And then finally, he sums it up this way. He says, you know, listen, at the end of the day, the kingdom of God is not about what you eat and drink. It's about righteousness, right standing with God and right living before man, peace and joy that comes from the Holy Spirit. And if you pursue these things, you're accepted by God and you'll get the approval of man. So the point is this, as a kingdom person, you and I must understand that we are called to pursue the higher things of righteousness, peace, and joy. And if need be, sacrifice some of our legitimate rights to what we eat and drink in order to pursue what promotes righteousness, peace, and joy. Because Paul in that context says, if I eat something that causes my brother to stumble, I won't eat it. Why? Because for me, that righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit is more important than what I can eat or drink. And he says, that is the kingdom of God. Amen. So what's he saying? Listen, you may have some legitimate rights to what you can eat. And if you extend that thought further to the way you can live, to what you can do and what you cannot do, you may have some legitimate rights. But if you're pursuing the kingdom of God, you will pursue what, is, what promotes righteousness, peace, and joy so that it will edify those around you, which will extend the kingdom of God. That's how you would live as a kingdom person. Amen. So think about the same issue we had with the youth. You know, you may think it's, not, it's harmless to put an arm around a girl and, and do this and do that. I mean, you know, I'm not making her pregnant. Sorry to be crude. But you, know, you may say, this is so harmless. But listen, the kingdom of God, as a kingdom person, you're going you're gonna to pursue something that's higher. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit so that you can edify people, so that you can promote the kingdom of God. And you're willing to sacrifice legitimate things of what you can eat, what you can drink, and what you think you should be able to do. You say, everybody in my college does it, but you are different. You pursue the kingdom of God. Yeah, go ahead and clap. Yeah. Right? Because you're a kingdom person. Everyone around me does it. When I walk to Brigade Road, I can also do it. When you walk to Brigade Road, the kingdom of God is still in you. And God still says... The kingdom is not what about what you can do and not do. It's about pursuing righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you do that, you will get God's approval and the blessed approval of man. That's the kingdom of God. You know, many times, I mean, this, is just, this might be a little silly example. Let me tell you how I think. Many times I, I'm tempted to come and preach in t-shirt and jeans Sunday morning. I can do it with the youth. But I, hey man, you know, it's been nice to be, you know, everybody on TV does it. Maybe I can do it too, you know. T-shirt and jeans, come and preach. But then I think, you know, if I wear T-shirt and jeans on a Sunday morning, I mean, I will preach the same thing. I will not compromise on what I preach. But just by the fact that I wear T-shirt and jeans, a lot of the conservative people will not come to church. Because they think this church is backslidden and gone to hell. Because the pastor is wearing T-shirt and jeans. They wear that on brigade roads. And so what do I do? I say, so, okay, I won't do that. At least, you know, maybe I don't know for how many more years till the whole culture changes. But, but the point is this. This is how I think. So while I know it's very nice, I can wear t-shirt and jeans, I'm thinking about the older people. I want them to receive the word. I want the people of conservative to be able to receive the word. And yet if I wear something in between, the young people also think, yeah, it's kind of cool there, you know. So I can build a bridge between the two and help expand the kingdom of God. Amen? So the older people don't get offended that I'm wearing t-shirt and jeans. The younger people don't see me in a white robe with a collar. Everybody's able to receive the word of God. Pursue what brings righteousness, 
peace and joy for the king. That's what the kingdom of God's about. Amen. Another characteristic of the kingdom of God is power and authority and dominion. We'll talk about this. We'll spend a full Sunday on it later on, so I'll just mention it here. The kingdom that's in you is a kingdom that supersedes everything around you. The king of the kingdom, he is the king, and he's in you. And he has vested his authority in your life as a believer. He has invested his power in you. Wherever you go, the kingdom shows up. When you step into an adverse situation, the king and his kingdom is there inside you. That's why you have the potential to dominate that situation, potential to dominate that circumstance, if you will live, allow that kingdom that's inside you to come out and administer the authority of the kingdom. This kingdom is a kingdom of power, authority, and dominion. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 4, 19 and 20, he says, When I come among you, I don't want to know about words, for the kingdom is not in word, but in power. He says, look, this kingdom that I'm talking about, it's not a kingdom of nice words I can talk about. It's a kingdom that comes with power to destroy the works of the devil, to dominate the works of darkness, to undo sickness and disease. And it's that kind of a kingdom I'm talking about. It's a kingdom that comes with power and uh, just totally removes what darkness is doing. He says, that's the kingdom I'm talking about. When Jesus was among the people, he said, you know, if I by the Spirit of God cast out devils, then the kingdom of God has come to you. So this kingdom, when it comes, it drives out devils. When Jesus sent his disciples, he said, you go preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What do you do? Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. That's the kingdom we're talking about. Amen? We'll spend a full Sunday on it, but I just want to mention to you, that should be part of our lifestyle. That when you go out, you're carrying the kingdom of God with you. I'll just remind you of this little incident. One of the churches that I... That, that we really admire and really want to learn from and, and uh, emulate is um, a Bethel church in Redding, California. And some of you, I'd encourage you to listen to Pastor Bill Johnson's preaching, a really good teaching, and a powerful church. And, um, and I encourage you to go online and get his podcasts and listen to it and be nurtured in. Uh, one of the, and they have a great community of believers. One day, somebody came to Pastor Bill and said, you know, Pastor Bill, uh, they're visiting that church. So they said, Pastor Bill, we want to be part of your mall outreach. I was thinking like mall outreach. He said, you know, oh, they said, yeah, you know, those people who go in the malls and they, they heal people and they minister to people in the mall, that mall outreach. Oh, he said, you know what? We don't have a mall outreach. We just have people who go shopping. And when they go shopping in the malls, when they see needs, they step in and heal, get people saved, get people delivered. I would love our church to be that way. Where everybody, you know, wherever you go, you're carrying the kingdom of God in you. We don't need programs. If you will get aware of the kingdom of God in you, wherever you are, you'll do it. People in that church, when they go shopping, they see somebody with crutches, can we pray for you? Normal response. Amen? And they got awesome testimonies of people in the grocery store, in the malls, people being healed and saved. Of course, the end result is they get saved when they come to church. Amen? I believe you'll be like that one day. Amen? We will be. Yeah, if you want to clap, go ahead and clap. So, power, authority, and dominion. Another important aspect of kingdom lifestyle is endurance and suffering. Now, we just must come to this understanding that we are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. Meaning, we are in a totally different environment. Right? We belong to the kingdom that's not of this world. And we are here in a foreign territory, so to speak. And therefore, you will feel pressure. 
you will be accused. You will face persecution. You will have to endure some stuff here on earth. It's part of kingdom living. Sometimes we get this wrong idea. You know, I belong to the kingdom of God. I'm the king's kid. It's true, you're the king's kid. But we tend to imply, therefore, everything's going to be easy for me. He didn't say that. He did say you're his kid. But he didn't say you won't suffer. He didn't say you won't have some, you won't, you won't need endurance. He didn't say you won't be persecuted. Yes, you are the king's kid. But you are in a foreign territory right now. And so here on earth, you will need some endurance to go through some adverse circumstances, situations, things that you didn't create. Other people created around you and it's like, God, why am I in this? Listen, part of the kingdom and part of the kingdom lifestyle is this, endurance. Willingness to go through suffering. Willingness to go through some hard times. It's kingdom lifestyle. Amen. I'll just give you one verse on that. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verses 4 and 5. Paul says, So that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience. That is endurance and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. Saying, guys, I heard about this church in Bangalore. You're going through some real rough stuff. That was in 2nd Bangalore chapter 1. We go to 2nd Thessalonians. Chapter 1 verse 5. For which is a manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God. That you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer. He's saying, listen, you know, I heard all this stuff. You guys are going through some real difficult things. But he says, I want to, you know what? Here's how I look at it. This is just an evidence that you've been called to the kingdom of God. That's what it is. It's an evidence that you are now part of that kingdom. And therefore you're facing all this stuff. Go, go through it. Even your faith that may be tested like fire. It's going to come out like gold. Part of kingdom lifestyle. Amen. Endurance, suffering. Forgiveness is another important aspect of our kingdom living. I want to touch upon this. You know, Jesus gave us many stories. And some of the stories he began like this. In Matthew 18, 20-25, he said, The kingdom of heaven is like this. So whenever he began a story by saying the kingdom of heaven is like this, it means that story reveals something about the kingdom of God. So he gave this story in Matthew chapter 18, verses 23-35. Here's a story. He said, you know, there was a man, master. He had one of his hired servants. He had a servant in his home who who owed him, just for the sake of the story, he owed him a thousand rupees. And it came time for him to pay the money, and this man couldn't pay up. And uh, he came to his master, he said, you know, I'm so sorry, I don't have the money to pay up. His master said, okay, I forgive you, I understand your situation, I forgive you, you're free, go. Now this man, he went back to his house, and he had a hired servant in his house. And in his, this hired servant owed him, say, 20 rupees. So his hired servant came that day, it was time to pay up, and he, this hired servant said, you know, I, I'm really suffering, I'm really struggling, I can't give you this 20 rupees, can you just have some mercy, give me some more time. This man, this guy said, you know, how can you do that? I'm going to file an FIR, I'm going to call the police, I'm going to take you to court, you have to give me my 20 rupees. Now news went back to the, the big man, the master, saying, look, one of your servants, one of your employees is treating his employee like this. And so the master called his, his employee back and said, you know, I forgave you your thousand rupees. And you couldn't turn around and forgive your person who owed you 20. And Jesus said, and, and he said, therefore, you're going to be condemned. You're going to be judged. Jesus said, this is how the kingdom of God is. So is the kingdom of 
Meaning saying, this is a principle of the kingdom. What is it? And as much as you've been forgiven by God, God expects you to forgive those who offended you. Amen? Now, forgiveness does not alter the thing that has happened. But forgiveness releases you from having any kind of grudge towards that person. What's happened has happened. You can't reverse a murder. You can't reverse an adversity. You can't reverse it. But there's nothing in your heart that holds that person. That's forgiveness. And forgiveness, Jesus said, is part of the kingdom of God. Another important characteristic is stewardship. And Jesus gave us another story for it in Matthew 25. When he gave us this story in Matthew 25, verses 14 and 14 to 30. I'll just touch upon one more and I'll stop. He gave us this story. He said, so is the kingdom of God. He said, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. So another story. He was a man, there was a master, he had three servants. He gave each one a certain amount of money. To one he gave ten, to another five, and to another one. And he went on his way. When he came back, he called the one who had ten. He said, what did you do with it? He said, you know, I've multiplied. I, got, I doubled it. I got twenty. The five, he said, I've doubled it. I've got ten. To the one, he said, what did you do? He said, you know, I went to all people such very faithful every Sunday morning. I took my gift with me to church. Every time I heard the sermon, I would shine it. At the end of the sermon, I put it back in my pocket and I brought it home safe. Kept it in my closet till next Sunday morning. And again, I would take it with me to church very carefully. When pastors preaching, I would polish my gifts. Put it back in my pocket. Take it back to me with church. I attended every Bible study, every prayer meeting. I worshipped you every Sunday. Well, that's all good, but what did you do with that gift I gave you? I kept it intact. Here it is. What was the Lord's response? You unprofitable servant. To the others, he said, you're good and faithful. You double what I gave you. The one who did nothing with it, he said, you're unprofitable, useless. Take what he has, give it to the others who doubled it, send him out. Jesus said, so is the kingdom of heaven. This is what my kingdom is all about. He said, I expect people in my kingdom to be good stewards of what I give them. Amen? What's important is not how, many, how much he's given you. What's important is what you do with what he has given you. Some of us may have a little bit. Some of us have a little bit more. Some of us have a whole lot more. He's not going to ask you how much I gave you. He's going to ask you, what did you do with what I did give you? Did you double it? Did you multiply it? Were you a good steward of what I gave you? God gives to us time. He gives to us money. He gives to us opportunities. He gives to us contacts. He gives to us talents, abilities. He gives to us revelation from His Word. He gives us a whole lot of things. And with everything He gives you, He's expecting you to be a good steward. That's part of kingdom lifestyle. What are you doing with your time? What are you doing with your contacts, with opportunities that come your way, with talents you have? Are you being a good steward of it? And people ask me, how do you manage both? How do you run a business? How do you pastor a church? I learned a long time ago one thing. The Bible says, both in Ephesians and Colossians, it says, redeem your time because the days are evil. It's very simple. Redeem your time. Use your time wisely. Use every minute you've got. Does it mean you don't relax? I do relax. Does it mean you don't have time for family? I do have time. But I've learned to use every minute that I have. I do spend time teaching my kids, tuitions. I do spend time taking them. Yesterday we took them to swimming pool. I do these things. I play football with Joshua. I hope to one day be able to have the honor of playing for APC football team. I hope Alan, Alan Harris, 
I can qualify, but I can play with Josh. No. <laughs> I do have time to do those things. I do have time to go to the gym. I do have time to pray and read the word. I do have time to do the business. I do have time. And I have just 24 hours like you. I do have time to sleep. I sleep six hours at least, most days. Mm. But it's there. What's the secret? Redeem your time. What are you spending your time in? You can do it. Be a good steward. Time comes free. Amen? You never bought it. It's free. But what you do with it will determine whether you're a good steward of it or not. One last thing is about equality. I want to touch upon it. I know it's still late, but I want to touch upon it and I close. The rest of it will be in print and available also on our website. In James chapter 2, verses 1 to 5, James says, Brethren, don't hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes, and say to him, You sit here in a good place, and you say to the poor man, You stand there or sit here at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? So he's saying, listen, in the kingdom of God, we treat everybody equal. Whether you're rich or you're poor, whether you're educated or you're uneducated, whether you have a high standing in society or you're just some other person, ordinary person, regardless of what caste you are, we are heirs of the kingdom. We do nothing out of partiality. That's kingdom lifestyle. Amen? And I want us to live like that. Let us reach out to the poor. Let's reach out to those who are rich. Let's reach out to the educated and the uneducated, to all people, because we're all heirs together of the kingdom of God. Amen? There's a lot more on Kingdom Lifestyle. You'll find it in the book that's released. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to pray. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.